and welcome back to another episode of Farewell Evangelion, the series where we go through each Evangelion episode and movie bit by bit. My name is Keith, and I'm going through for my last time, and I'm joined by Peter. Hello! Who's going through for his first? Today we watch the second half of End of Evangelion, originally released on July 19th, 1997. The full synopsis, Nerve faces off against the 18th Angel, humanity itself, but in the end, the fate of the world depends on Shinji's choices. So, I think it's a good point to address your prediction. So, my prediction was... Shinji kicks the shit out of the MPEs, which, nope, didn't happen. No, they kind of kicked the shit out of themselves. Yeah. Uh, everyone dies. Depending on your definition of death, kind of happens. Yeah, the souls they are don't... separated from the physical form and then return to uh, the Black Moon, also known as Goth, uh, the Egg of Lilith, blah blah blah, and yeah. to Lilith herself. They no longer exist as individuals, they now exist as one collective entity. And yeah, it depends on how you define death, but technically, yeah, in a certain definition, everyone died. And then, not everyone wakes up on a beach, but Shinji and Asuka wake up on a beach at the end. <laughs> uh, I was picturing like a white sandy beach with like tropical trees in the back. It was a white sandy beach! And clear blue seas in front of them. And one of the three things I was picturing, which is the only one I technically verbalized, came true. True. I didn't talk about the seas that were in front of them or the trees that were behind them, so... My mental image did not line up with what I saw, but I'm willing to accept that what I verbally said out loud came true. Now, I don't know if you remember specifically... But back when we finished uh, episode 26, and you made your prediction, and you said characters waking up on a beach, it was, you you hit it so hard with the beach thing, that should be just out of left field, no one would predict. I don't know if you caught, I made a face. I don't remember. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> I honestly thought you might have watched the trailer, or like, synopsis of the movie, just to fuck with me to make a prediction. No, it was, it was really one of those things where I was like, People didn't like this series because it's such a dark and ambiguous ending. Couldn't they just have a clearly joyful and happy ending with no ambiguity? <laughs> so in my mind, I was picturing the happiest possible ending I could imagine. And it's a whole bunch of just rad dudes and cool chicks hanging out in like their swimwear on the beach about to have a party. So that's what I was picturing in my head. That's not what I fucking got. Nope. We got the beach. Got the beach. Plug suit's kind of a swimsuit. They do swim in LCL in that suit, so yeah, I'm willing to accept it's technically a swim suit. Alright, so... Yeah, so, uh, I guess the biggest thing that throws you off in this one is... It looks like Shinji's ready to throw down at the end of the first half, but when this part starts, the additional 26th episode, uh... I need you. Shinji seeing Asuka and that's it just breaks down completely in the berserk mode of the Ava just ends. Yeah, he's fully given up and the angels just kind of standing there. Or not the angels, the Ava's just kind of standing there willing to be a vessel for the great tree or whatever it was called. So because uh, Ava 01 uh, is both the, has the seed of life and the seed of knowledge, which are the parts from Lilith and uh, Adam, it is the catalyst to make the Tree of Life and the uh, Sephiroth. Yeah. Uh, I don't know too much about what that is specifically, but apparently it's a uh, map of when uh, God's transformation to human form or something like that. So, like, it's the path from divinity to humanity. 
pretty sure Sephiroth's the character from Final Fantasy VII. That too. Sure. But Final Fantasy VII also uses religious names for things. Yeah, you're not wrong. But yeah, that, that's the basic idea behind what that is. Fair and enough. then, yeah, uh, the Spear of Longinus comes back and uh, kind of paralyzes Unit 1. More so than Shinji was doing. And then uh, is like, yep, this is our chance. Start the procedure. And the nine mass production Avas just start, like, doing, like, magic rituals on them and, like, well, causing they, instrumentality. They synchronize their AT fields to trigger, uh, actually, the impact, specifically, yes. using Unit 1 as the vessel. But at the same time, Geno's like, fuck that, and he also triggers his version of impact using Lilith as the vessel. So yeah. two impacts are simultaneously starting at the same time, Gendo's and Sile's, uh, but because Ray is more powerful than the imitations, she's able to kind of hijack the impact and decides, Shinji, you're in charge. Yeah, it's it's a fight between Gendo and fucking Sile, and then Ray steps up and she's like, nah, fuck you both. Shinji, you get to make all the choices here. Yeah. But because Shinji's ego is so fucked up by all the things he's seeing... Uh, he kind of just decides, you know what? Fuck humanity. We can all die. <laughs> I, like, I'm sure that is what happens, but it comes across more like, Ray's just like, alright, Shinji, time to make a choice. And Shinji's just like, uh... And Ray's like, are you trying to say, uh, kill humanity? Alright, cool, let's do that. Let's move <laughs> forward with that plan. Meanwhile, Shinji's just sitting there catatonic, and Ray just goes forward with the plan yeah. she had decided on. Well, well, the best thing about this, too, is, uh, when... The giant body comes out first. It's got the black eyes with the red. That's Lilith. Yeah. But when Shinji says, Rei Aname, Rei is able to come to the surface. So the Rei 3, up to this point, is now the one in charge. Yeah. Who, uh, now that she's fully returned to Lilith. So she now has the body of Adam, the body of Lilith, and the soul of Lilith. So at this point, the angels of Adam and Lilith are not godlike. They're massive, powerful beings. But you kind of need both parts the, uh, as I said before, the seed of life and the seed of knowledge to be go a god, which is what Abel Unit 1 has, and Lilith also now has after Gendo loses his hand. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so Ainame starts trying to position it so that Shinji will be in charge. And everyone kind of clearly was like, ah shit, Shinji's in charge. God damn it, the one thing we've been told is never let Shinji be in charge of anything. Now he's in charge of all human existence. But Shinji, seeing... Because, have to keep in mind, Shinji doesn't know that specifically that Rei is Lilith. He just knows that she's a clone of his mother. Yeah. So seeing giant Rei also kind of fucks them, so he starts panicking further. So it's like, uh, shit, coward. You know coward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about the Rei thing. Rei's gonna lean back and Kauri's gonna stick out the front, because Kauri's a friendlier face in your mind right now. <laughs> yeah, and even though Shinji feels coward betrayed him, Kaoru is still also the only person who's shown him affection, so he's like, shit, this scares the shit out of me, but he said he loved me, so I guess we're cool. Yeah. I know he's an angel, so big him is not scary. Yeah. Seeing giant Kaoru does not shake me to my core. This is something I had conditioned myself to prepare for. I'm okay with what's happening right now. Yeah, and uh, that kind of stops his ego from going all crazy, because ultimately Sile was trying to break Shinji's ego to make him a blank vessel so they can impose their will. Into yeah. instrumentality. And I just want to point out right now. A lot of, there's a lot of confusion where people think the impact and instrumentality are the same thing. They're not. Because I think the confusion is people think of the word impact in Evangelion as meaning something that it technically doesn't. So yeah. everyone thinks the impact means 
the events caused by Calamity, which is Adam and a little base things coming into contact. That's not the case. The first impact is just Lilith crashing into the Earth. And the reason they're called impacts is because it's the cover-up. The first one was an impact, which was the one that killed the dinosaurs. Yeah. The second one was them introducing Lilith DNA into Adam, which triggered the second impact, which they said was a meteorite hitting the Antarctic. Yeah. So impacts don't technically exist. It's just the name given to them. Yeah, it's how the government cover-up of what actually happened is presented. It's presented as an impact. And because it's just easier, everyone that is aware of what really happens calls them impacts as well. But they have nothing like the impact. It kind of makes it sound like they're all the same thing. But each individual impact is different in a sense. Yeah. Shinji ends up going into his own mental regresses. And it's kind of Ray questioning Shinji in a sense. To make him understand, I guess, is the best way to put it. Because Shinji will make comments about, you know, this is what I want, or you're not giving me a chance, you're not trying to understand me, I, I tried to understand you, and then Ray calls him on his shit the whole way through, it's like, you didn't even try all that stuff. Yeah, no, you just did your own fucking thing. And then he also has the conversation with Asuka, you're the one that I want, and Asuka responds with, no, that's a fucking lie, too. You would run towards anyone right now, it's just, you've been betrayed by Misato and Kaoru and Asuka, or not Asuka, and Ray, so... You're running towards the last person left who you don't think has betrayed you. Yeah, and, and something I want to point out here about the impact uh, that makes it a little bit easier to understand what's going forward. So the instrumentality thing that is caused and is also dubbed the third impact, uh, it reverts everyone back to LCL and then their souls are brought back to Goff, which is Lilith's egg. Yeah. That includes dead people. And that's why we get to see... Yui having a conversation with Gendo slash Shinji at one point, and also why Misato and Ritsuko are also able to have their part. Well, that, that's also explicitly why in that first bit where Shinji is kind of reflecting on himself, we only see Misato, Kaji, Ritsuko, and Asuka, the four dead people. Yeah. Makes sense. So their souls have already kind of returned because they're dead. So they're able to be there. So Shinji's actually having that conversation with Asuka. Where Asuka also calls him on his shit, and then Ray also calls shit. So Asuka is also fully aware of what Shinji did in that hospital room. Yep. And uh, this kind of goes back to what I was talking about, how it kind of plays importance into uh, what happens with Shinji's initial instrumentality. Is that the 25-26 run is all about Shinji learning to have self-worth for himself. So the idea is that Shinji does develop self-worth for himself in the 25-26 run. But that doesn't fix all of his problems per se. Shinji still is very much afraid of the other. Yeah. So him being able to, I can love myself, doesn't mean everyone doesn't hate me. It means yeah. I just don't hate myself. My own worth doesn't just come from my ability to pilot a neighbor or something else. I have worth as a human being just naturally. But that doesn't mean that other people are going to love me just for existing. Exactly. And that's kind of what this part of the instrumentality is. The additional is him also learning that his projection on the other people... And his relationship with them is different. Everyone is different. And the reason that the uh, masturbation scene ends up being so important to the story, obviously they could have done it in different ways, but I think they're, uh, at this point, Ano was a bit upset with the fan base. They just wanted to hit hard. So he kind of ruins Shinji's character in a bit, but it's to make the point that Shinji only sees the person and not what they are. Yeah. And it's all physical for Shinji. And this instrumentality aspect that we see in this is him also starting to learn that people are their own unique things, and not everyone is just like him. 
And that's ultimately what this part of it is. So it's Shinji's ability to accept others beyond just being able to accept himself and realizing that even though the hedgehog's dilemma does exist, you still have to forge those connections. Yeah, you still actually have to try to understand people and not just come up with your own definition in your head and accept that and move on. Yeah. You actually have to make the effort to understand the people around you. Yeah, and at this point, it's we see that Asuka actually grew faster than Shinji did. She was able to realize all these concepts to the point that she could call Shinji on it. Of course, she doesn't fully grow herself because instead of explaining to Shinji or anything like that, she lashes out at him and turns to him lashing back at her aggressively and strangles her. Yeah. Uh, which, she has a shock surprise uh, look on her face, which is like, holy shit, Shinji? Yeah. Uh, so ultimately, this whole interaction where... He feels that Masato betrayed him because he sees her having sex with Kaji and is like, oh, how vulgar. Yeah. <laughs> and all that stuff. Ends up leading to Shinji feeling betrayed by everyone, not just the people he thought it was. The like existence of humanity should end, which triggers the full aspect of human mortality and the third impact. So the third impact is Shinji getting that godlike power. Instrumentality is what he does with it. Yeah. And returning everyone to LCL and Forcing them to go through the humanity-wide group therapy to work on all their issues. Exactly. And what ultimately that is, it's not like a magic trick that like sucks everyone in. It's literally, uh, he ends up releasing an anti-AT field via Lilith, which breaks down AT fields. Which we find out absolute terror fields are the barriers between all living things that make them individuals. Yeah, it's where you end and the rest of existence begins. And Think of it as your own personal square. Yeah, and as I understand now, that's why angels are able to change their form in some shape, because they have greater control over their AT field, whereas humans don't, and so that's why humans are kind of rigid in what they are. Exactly. Uh, ultimately, angels have the gift of the seed of life. That's why the S2 engine, the seed of life, makes them very powerful, very strong, and they don't have to eat or sleep because they have an unlimited energy source that regenerates them. But once it's destroyed, that is kind of their downfall. On the other side of it, humans have the gift of Lilith, which is the seal of knowledge. And ultimately, what makes humans strong is their the brain is automatically what is the uh, gift of the seal of knowledge. Yeah, makes so sense. Everyone descended from Lilith has a brain, essentially. It's and kind of a bad way to put it, but and everyone who descended from Adam has an S two drive and doesn't need to eat or sleep. Yeah, and then Avas, which are the clones of Adam don't have an S2 drive, they just have the flesh battle. Yeah. Except, uh, except for Unit 1. Which, uh, I don't know if you caught on this, I know they mention it's the offspring, uh, or the counterpart of Lilith. It is cloned from Lilith, but not like the other ones. The other ones were kind of grown clones. You remember when we first saw Lilith in the series? Uh, I remember the first time I, I can think that we saw Lilith, which was when, uh, Misato, or Kaji showed Misato the LCL production room, and it was Lilith with the Spear of Longinus in her, but there might have been a scene before that that I don't nope, remember. No, that was it. Okay. Do you remember uh, the state that Lilith was in? I remember she didn't have legs. That's what they used to make Unit 1. Oh! They cut off her legs and turned them into Unit 1. That... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's why Unit 1 was so special. Uh... Since we're in the instrumentality part, I'm going to explain, I guess, the plans of both sides here, just because it makes it easier to put it here. So the reason Unit 1 was made out of Lilith, unlike the other Avas, was they needed it as a backup in case Lilith was unable to be used. 
Gendo ensured Lilith couldn't be used correctly by Sile by getting rid of the Spear of Longinus. Because as long as she was sealed, they could use her to do their plans. So what an impact is, Adam has the gift of knowledge, uh, Lilith has the gift of, oh no, Adam has the gift of life, and knowledge belongs to Lilith. If a being controls both of them, they gain godlike powers. So when Ava 01 got the S2 drive, since it was a clone of Lilith already, it had the brain because it was and, human. And now it has the gift of uh, life as well because it picked up an S2 drive. So at that point, it was possible for Unit 1 to trigger uh, the impact at any point. And that's why CLA immediately started moving up their plans the moment that... And also one... demanded that it go on the lockdown and not be used. Yes. Because at that moment, it had the ability to enact the third impact the moment it wanted to. Yeah, so ultimately what has to happen is it's a combination of both seeds and the soul of one of the two. So it needs the soul of Adam or the soul of Lilith yeah. to do this. The reason all the angels needed to be killed before human-based instrumentality could be triggered is because if they tried to trigger it at any point before that, an angel could have interfered and took control of instrumentality. Makes sense. So if an Adam, an angel makes contact with Adam, it destroys all Lilins and forms itself as the dominant species. So that impact is the death of all competition. But an impact between a Lilin and an Adam-based creature together is essentially they gain god power and can rewrite, rewrite reality any way they want. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So... Uh, the big indicator here was some of the angels were going after Lilith, and some of them were going after Adam, based on what their own unique goals were. Yeah. And so, that's why CLA was trying to trigger the third impact. It's not because they wanted to kill all humanity or something like that. They wanted to have a being with those godlike powers that they could control. They wanted to have godlike powers. Yeah. So this is me going into some side things that weren't mentioned directly in the series. CLA is planned directly. So, do you remember how many members of CLA there are? Nine? Nope. Thirteen. Thirteen. How many Evangelions were built? Was it thirteen as well? Yeah. Their goal was to, once instrumentality triggered, to transfer their souls each individually into an Evangelion, and that would be their new form, and they would be godlike powers, and then they would destroy the Spear of Longinus to be able to be god of that world that could not be defeated by anything. Because ultimately, the Spear of Longinus is the only thing that, that can kill. seal them once they have that power. Exactly. Makes sense. So that was Sealy's plan. It was to trigger instrumentality, not for really humanity. Humanity would still be in that full one form, but each of their souls individually would be transferred into one of those mass production Avas and the rest of the series. Which did happen in this one. They were able to transfer their souls in, but because Lila slash Rei was in full control and gave it to Shinji, when Shinji just uh, pretty much gave up instrumentality or the full human souls combined into one thing, all the souls returned to the LCL. And they can come back at any point they want once they're able to manifest their own will to do so. That killed Rey, and that's why her body fell apart. Yeah. And then that also killed all the mass productions, so all of the ceiling members died. And that's the reason why Yui cannot return, because a soul that's bound to an Evangelion does not get pulled into Lilith afterwards. And she had been bound to Unit 1. Which gets us to Gendo's plan. Gendo's plan was to do the same thing but using Unit 1, to have all the souls transfer into Unit 1, thus he could reunite with you because her soul's already in Unit 1. So his soul and her would both be a part of Unit 1. So effectively, everyone would exist within Unit 1 as some sort of arc. Okay. That was Gendo's plan for instrumentality. 
So both of them still want instrumentality to trigger, but it's pretty much where everyone ended up. Because yeah. uh, with Sile's plan, everyone else kind of gets fucked over and is, dies, and Sile gets to live forever in the universe. Yeah. And Gendo didn't want that. He wanted to have everyone exist in a position where he could be with you, which uses Unit 1 as the core. That's why his plan so heavily revolved around Unit 1, and he tried to shift everything to make it Unit 1 was the plan. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I can see how they both had a similar understanding of instrumentality, even if it was originally Gendo's idea, but had different intentions of how to go about doing it. Yeah, and now you can see why they also had to work together, because until the angels were gone, neither one could truly implement their plan. Yeah. And that's why as soon as the last angel was gone, it all kind of fell apart. Both of them started sprinting towards their own conclusions. And it also makes sense why they would send cover in to do all that, because... Yeah, that would trigger the instrumentality, but at that point, Kyra's instrumentality, if he did fuse with Lilith, would be Kyra in charge, and a coin flip on what happened. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But the one done with Ava's only is fully controlled by humanity, because Ava's are slaves to humanity that are copies of Lilith and Adam. Yeah. So, that's the triggering mechanism. So, ultimately, Shinji gets all the power, and... He goes through his instrumentality fully, which it's the previous episode 2526 with the added stuff where he has the meeting with Lilith, essentially. Yeah. Lilith, Ray, and Kaoru. <clears throat> and ends up realizing this world is fine and all, but he misses, like, he realizes I did form connections with people. I had real connections. And here, there's none of that uh, because he can't tell what's real or not because everything is everything. Yeah. There's no point where he ends and other people begin, so there's no ability to connect with another at that point. Exactly. Yeah, so there's no connecting with another. You can't even tell what is real, in a sense. Like, yeah. reality itself cannot exist. Kind of mirroring the everything reduced in drawing style in the first one, where yeah. Shinji couldn't identify himself. He had to add limitations. Yeah. It's pr pretty much a more visualized version of that, not using the production style. Yeah. Uh, of course, during this, we also get the shots of real life. Yeah, they did still play around with production style in this one. Well, this one is more of... Uh, do you remember how, when I was talking about the idea of what Evangelion is? Yeah. Well, End of Evangelion has the same idea, the danger of escapism. And the way Anno kind of took it was people didn't understand the message from 2526. They just took away, where's my cool ending? So we kind of got much more direct with it. And the reason it shows the movie theater full of people that were watching Death and Rebirth... It's literally showing the people that are watching this to reflect on themselves and what that means. Yeah. Themselves sitting in a theater watching this happen. Yeah. What kind of masochists they must be to watch this kind of trauma play out <laughs> on a big screen. Well, it's not, it's to... <laughs> the people who he's saying, people who are watching the Evangelion series as means to escape from reality, and that's the bubble they're trying to put themselves in, that's what instrumentality was for Shinji. Yeah. Him distancing himself, putting himself in a bubble that doesn't exist, but that's not reality, and... You're doing the same thing Shinji did, but Shinji's able to realize, I need to exist, I need to be out there. And that's by showing the real world in this aspect with Shinji's parallel, it's kind of saying, you can't just use fiction as an escape, you have to be able to live in the real world. There's nothing wrong with having a fictional world you enjoy to, uh, you know, play around in, but it can't be detracting from what is reality. Yeah. And that's ultimately why he shows the real world stuff in this, to hit harder on that message, because... It feels like no one got it with the first time. The more you talk about this, the less I understand what the fuck Rebel build could possibly <laughs> be. Like, literally, 
the only thing that makes sense to me right now is it's Otto just going back and retelling the series again for people who still haven't understood the fucking concept. <laughs> Which is pointing really hard at certain things. Yeah. Like, literally, Otto himself walks onto the screen. It's like, now pay attention to this part right here. Uh, yeah, like, the just two vertical bars appear in the screen. Movie pauses. Otto walks on stage. She's like, some of you still don't fucking understand. So I'm going to take it real nice and slowly for you. This trauma right here is what it's all fucking about. Um... I don't want to give away too much, but I will let you know, and this is kind of, I, I, I'm bastardizing a quote from Anna a little bit, just not to spoil things, but the goal of Rebuild Series ultimately was Anna wanting to break down what Evangelion is. So that's hence the name Rebuild of Evangelion, was him literally looking at the series and kind of playing with what it means. But yeah, that's the whole rundown on the aspects of instrumentality. Of course, at the end, Shinji ends up speaking directly with Kaoru and Rei, uh, and he, in a fun, like, like a really nice way, he ends up acknowledging the existence of Rei, which is, she finally gets acknowledgement of her existence, but at the same time, it's kind of bittersweet because he acknowledges her existence to separate himself from her, but in doing so, he also kills her because if he rejects instrumentality, she can no longer exist because all the souls have to return, which kills her. Yeah. But ethereal race still exists. Yeah, we're gonna see flashes of glowing ray looking down on people, considering them. I was gonna say considering them pathetic, but no, that's clearly Oscar's deal, as I've learned <laughs> after watching this episode slash movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, then after all this happens, Shinji has his last farewell with his mother, where he gets a one on one with her, uh, and she explains she's in the Ava forever, uh, but it's not. It's a lonely, sad thing, but she's ever living proof. Even once humanity is gone, humans did exist. Yeah. It's a, a monument to the existence of humanity that will be around forever. Good for her. And then Shinji ends up walking out of the waters onto the beach, and we end up cutting to... It doesn't tell us, but uh, if you pay attention to the moon during instrumentality and during this final scene, and also when Shinji comes out, uh, it looks like the moon cycle is different, and for it to be the phase to what it is to what it is now would take about two weeks at minimum. Uh, but it looks like Shinji erected some wooden posts that we linger on for a moment. Ends up uh, nailing Misato's there, so it looks like he's... Anyone come back, so Misato, even though she died, she can still come back, just as we see later Asuka does. Yeah. The fact that they died beforehand means nothing, because their souls were... and uh, bodies were re-put purpose to their basic forms, so if they can realize themselves, they can come out. Yeah. Uh, but Shinji looks to put up some sort of monuments to them, and the final scene is Shinji's... Uh, looking up at the sky, essentially, and then he hears something, he looks over, and then Asuka is there. But the thing that he notices is that floating ray over the water, Yeah. and then he gets on top of Asuka and starts strangling her, and it looks like she's about to beat the shit out of him, but she just kind of gently touches his face. Yeah. And, actually, I want to ask, what do you think's going on here? Alright, so, before that, I just have to address how, while in the LCL, Shinji makes the comment of, I think I need to go back to having others, because I can form those connections. And then the first thing Shinji does, when presented with another, is strangle the shit out of them. There's an explanation, but I'm curious to see what you feel about what's going on here. So, if I had to interpret it, I I think after spending so much time alone, like two weeks ago, interacting with anyone else, Shinji's probably not convinced that Asuka's even real at that point, and might be 
thinking it's back to the Phantom of Oscar who called him pathetic that he strangled earlier on. Yeah, you're right. You're right on with that. It's the. Uh, it's not stated anywhere, but the context, especially what, there's an extended version of the scene that was never produced, but the, the storyboards all that exist. Uh, that well, the extended scene essentially works kind of the same way. And also, we don't know how long they were in instrumentality is the other issue. Yeah. So it could have been a long time. So Shinji's idea of reality is pretty fucked up at this point. As well as probably Asuka's coming out because she went through the same thing. Yeah. But Shinji comes back and erects all of those monuments for all the people. that uh, They have the names for everyone there. Yeah. And Shinji, uh, that scene where he's laying down, actually starts with him laying down, looking at the sky and falling asleep. And then we see Asuka come out of the water. And she sees her grave, and she destroys it. That's that broken one. It's her destroying her own grave. Walks over, sees Shinji, and just kind of lays down. Yeah. Uh, and then Shinji wakes up, looks over, sees Rei. And he says, holy shit, Asuka! But I just saw a glowing Rei, so I gotta make sure. Yeah. And then Asuka, showing that she herself has also grown, she doesn't lash out at uh, Shinji aggressively. She understands that he's going through something. And that's so why she be- shows compassion, gently touches his face, yeah. and he has the realization, oh shit, she's real, I should probably stop trying well, to he, strangle her. He's crying due to, like, I think it's the release of like all that stress, but also, he find, there's another person finally there. Yeah, I finally have another human being I can interact with again. Yeah, uh, and then the uh, line we close out with is her saying, uh, disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, uh, I want to point out here, I want to let people misinterpret the ending of that, uh, where they think she's calling Shinji disgusting. But what actually is going on with the original uh, dialogue translated to English, which tends to be one of the biggest problems with Evangelion, the translations sometimes go for more direct and don't really get the point across. The, there is no direct translation for what she says in the Japanese, so that's also part of it. The idea is kind of a disgust, uneasy, sick, or distaste feeling for a situation. Okay, so it's not that she finds Shinji disgusting or his actions disgusting. She feels uneasy with the situation she's currently in. Yeah, and it, it, it could be interpreted she feels que- like queasy and sick due to the fact that she now has a physical form again, the reality that exists around her, what she went through, yeah. or the fact that she was just being choked. Yeah. Uh, another interpretation of it, uh, because of the direction it was given by Ano, was <laughs> to the uh, theme of, Asuka trying to deliver, uh, not that she's also not feeling well, but also the idea that uh, she would rather die than let Shinji kill her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah. So it's more so Shinji was trying to realize reality by determining differences. Yeah. And Asuka was just, you know, the whole situation's fucked. Yeah, this is a fucked up situation that we find ourselves in. Now. Yeah. And then, of course, the final thing that. The episode does end there, and that's the end of Evangelion, with Unit zero, 1 floating off into space, into eternity. And the movie poster, which uh, most people I'm sure have seen at this point, is apparently the, the canonical last scene of End of Evangelion. So after that strangling and all that, Shinji stands up, uh, Rei, uh, Asuka sits up, and then they look at Giant Rei, and that's the end of the series. And Rei is now dead. Yeah. Except for Ghost Rei. Yeah, Ethereal Ghost Ray could still pop up. Which is actually uh, kind of like a fragment of Lilith, is the best way to put it. Fair. Because Lilith and Adam, I it's hard to explain, but the best way to think of it is they don't exist linearly. Yeah. So Ethereal, because Ethereal Ray is everywhere at once, right? Yeah. When we see instrumentality going on. But she also shows up 
at the beginning of the series when she is sealed still. So the idea behind it is that she is kind of existing everywhere at once. She's even, got, even uh, beyond her death. She's got the whole Dr. Manhattan situation going on. Where yeah. She exists at all times simultaneously. Yeah, so that's probably the best way to think of the ethereal ray, which isn't the ray Aname we knew, not ray 2, not ray 3, not ray 1. It's just an ethereal being that's observing. Yeah. And that's presumably what we saw in that first episode when Shinji gets a glimpse of ray on the horizon. Exactly. Okay. And uh, a thing to point out, too, is before all this even starts, both Misato and Ritsuko both see her before they die. Yeah. Ray's just like an unpassionate god looking down on people in their last moments. <laughs> uh, another important scene uh, to talk about, actually, with this is the scene with uh, Gendo when he's laying on the ground, and he has the conversation with Ray 2, Yui, and Kaoru. Yeah. Uh, the thing I love about this is... It's pretty much the full confirmation on what a lot of people suspected, and that is Gendo is actually the antithesis of, Gen of uh, Shinji. Yeah. Uh, because when they're talking about what Gendo feared and all that stuff, it's the exact same thing Shinji's saying. So Gendo is also kind of a, a reflection of what Shinji will become in the future, but also Yui giving the hopeful idea that, well, he still has the ability to change. Yeah. Gendo seems to have very much the same fears of if he gets close to people, they'll only end up hurting them. And so he keeps distance from people to keep himself from hurting them. Which is pretty much exactly what Shinji said at various points. And so, Gendo is a very potential future for Shinji, but Shinji has the chance to, through instrumentality and the global therapy that it represents, grow into a better person than Gendo. Exactly. I don't know how you could be a better person than Gendo. He's kind <laughs> of peak humanity. He gets bit in half, though. He does get bit in half by Unit 1. That was you that wasn't a bit of a yeah. right? Yeah? Okay. Uh, one thing I also want to touch on, which is uh, another thing that a lot of the fan base seems to argue about, and that's the idea that End of Evangelion and Episode 25 and 26 cannot exist together, as they contradict each other. I don't see that so much. I, I think they, they're different perspectives of the same story, and I think, honestly, and... Episode 25 and episode 26, I my interpretation is that they are what's happening during that blinking of different shots while instrumentality first happens, is that's just when episode 25 and 26 are happening, except they're only showing flashes of different shots because it's happening for all of humanity simultaneously instead of just Shinji's one individual therapy session. That's fair. I, I personally do see them as the same as you are, where it's all one continuous story. Uh, the popular argument, though, is um, episode 25 and 26 is instrumentality where Gendo's plan succeeded, so it's everyone existing within Unit 1. That's why we see Gendo and Yui both in that end credit thing of clapping for Shinji when he uh, learns to love himself. Uh, so everyone is permanently in the arc of Unit 1, whereas this one is neither Gendo or Sile get their plan, and Shinji's the one who controls instrumentality. I can see how people would feel that way, and how they would take issue with these not happening simultaneously. I still feel like, based on only having watched this once and having a very limited understanding of instrumentality and all of that, I still feel like that scene of them all clapping and being in a room together, well not in a room, standing on top of the ocean with coral below them, 
could still happen in this version of instrumentality. Yeah, and we even get a callback to that room as well when he's having the conversation with Ray and Calgary when the ground's changing. It, for a moment, is that coral room again. Yeah, and I definitely feel like that could still happen because we also still see Gendo having a scene interacting with Yui and we see Shinji having a scene interacting with Yui. But in this version, they're explicitly not all absorbed into Unit 1, so the idea that they couldn't have those interactions unless they were all a part of Unit 1 seems a little bit inaccurate to me. But once again, other people have watched this more than me and perhaps have more informed opinions. Yeah, and, and ultimately, this is what we discussed back when we were talking about the uh, end of the anime run. There's multiple ways you can really interpret the concept of the Genesis. A lot of people get different things out of it and different meanings. And of course, that means when we're not getting the answer on exactly how things go together, we're going to get different interpretations on how the story fits together. Yeah. Some people think that the stories of both are exactly the same up until episode 24, and then 25 and 26 is a branching timeline type thing. Yeah. Where it's, there are two alternate versions of the ending. Some people also say that the this is the alternate ending to the original anime, and the original ones don't count anymore because... This was, you know, Gainax correcting it, but those are all the same people that were probably throwing death threats at Anno, yeah. and Anno still to this day says, to me, the true ending of the original idea of Evangelion is always going to be 25-26. Yeah. Yeah, those people who say that 25-26 has been delegitimized by the existence of End of Evangelion really do strike me as, like, the butthurt fanboys who didn't like the original ending, and now, oh, no, that doesn't matter anymore, that's not canonical, this is the real ending. The one with lots of badass laser fights and eight people die. That's the one that's real. Yeah. But I like that even though he clearly was going for a more typical ending to an anime series with one, he was still able to keep his own, I think, touch to like doing a story existing in this way. It's still, yeah. You could still very much feel the influences from 25, 26. It wasn't just removed for the sake of it. It very much still had that thing. It wasn't a big fight at the end. It was still Shinji talking to himself. But it gave the context leading up to that, which I think people were more willing to accept. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that way as well. But yeah, that's pretty much everything from the episode. Was there any questions you had about this full End of Evangelion movie itself before we move on? Well, I was going to ask about Gendo's specific plans for instrumentality now that I've seen it from this perspective. And Sile's specific plans for instrumentality, but we covered that. Yeah, I kind of have to explain their plans to explain why they each had a different trigger mechanism, essentially. Yeah. No, I, I I feel like if this was the definitive end of Evangelion for me, and I didn't get any more Evangelion content for, let's say, roughly a decade, <laughs> I feel like I could sleep well at night and wouldn't be, like, shaking my fists at the mysteries left unresolved. Uh, you can say a decade, but I feel like it'd be more like 12 years. Uh, it depends. I might have moved to Japan to get it a couple years anyway. <laughs> So you feeling pretty good on uh, all those answers then? Yeah, I, I feel pretty tight, pretty solid. Okay, so for some uh, fun facts for things that aren't really crucial to the story, but it, it adds a little extra flavor, I feel, that are really good. Uh, so when we were getting the real life stuff, you notice that there were situations with text flashing up on screen yeah. that looked like letters? That was actual hate mail that Guy Next Studio got. Of course it was. <laughs> That's so fucked. Like, I... <laughs> I understand exactly what Otto was going through. It was like, no, nah, my original ending was perfect. Deal with the consequences to of be, your own To actions. be fair, I don't think Gendo... Uh, Gendo. <laughs> I don't think Otto ever felt that his ending was perfect. Uh, yeah. But it was kind of... Uh, a thing a lot of people don't know about Evangelion was 
it wasn't like a fully, this is what's going to exactly happen front to start. They were making a lot of it up as they went, which I feel like, considering looking back at the series now it was, that's pretty damn amazing that they were able to do something so consistent with going back to see things hinted. Yeah. When it was planned pretty much week to week. Yeah. Uh, but it was on to ultimately working through his own stuff as well, and Evangelion was a method to work through that. And it's a very personal story to him, obviously, because of that. And people then just going, you know, kill yourself, Anno, which one of the letters did say, I feel like he, he did want to hit back a little bit, like, okay, fine, like, this is not hard, gritty truth. Yeah. While uh, I'm telling you to look in a mirror and realize who you are and how you're getting lost in this fantasy world, I'm also going to say, you're getting so lost in a fantasy world that you're writing shit like this in a letter to me, look at yourself in a mirror, take stock of your life. Yeah, because uh, I guess the important thing to talk about is, the idea of otaku culture is mainly what Ano is kind of targeting specifically. Now, he calls himself an otaku. He says he's part of that culture. He is one. But he he saw essentially the way that otaku culture was evolving was very unhealthy. And that was ultimately kind of what wanted him to call it out. Uh, so when he's saying, you know, escape, escapism is horrible, don't play with round fantasy worlds, he was more talking about like those people that are diehard, I'm an otaku, and then fully lose themselves in the fiction of it. Yeah, the kind of people who refer to themselves as having waifus and get body pillows so that they don't have to interact with actual human beings. That's the kind of people he's calling <laughs> Argue over what 14-year-old is hotter. Yeah, the kind of people who declare waifu wars over fictional characters within an anime. Yep. Yep, <laughs> fuck those people. <laughs> Another thing I kind of want to point out is, a lot of people were arguing about, like, oh, the waifu war concept for Evangelion. I very much like that this doesn't end with Shinji ending up with anyone either, because I think the main thing that End of Evangelion does, and it's specifically End of Evangelion that does this, it shows that Shinji and Asuka's relationship is actually a very toxic one, and actually kind of that they shouldn't be together romantically. Yeah. Because Asuka needs to be the center of attention, and she kind of berates Shinji because he doesn't make a move, but that's not the type of person Shinji is, and she needs Shinji to come to her. But Shinji's also like, you need to come to me and be nice to me, but that's not how Asuka is. Yeah, it's the, like, one of the two relationships that people were most aggressively fighting for. It does a good job of showing why these two people would be horrible for each other. Yeah, and not to say, like, that means I hate either character. Like, Asuka is probably my favorite character in the story currently. And because she's just actually, I think, funny enough, if she was the protagonist, it would be more of your typical anime, yeah. I think. Where Shinji's the reason it kind of changes and is different in a sense. So Asuka is definitely a very crucial character in the story, but those two together just doesn't work. Yeah. For now, who knows? We haven't resolved the waifu wars yet. True. Uh, another thing to talk about in the fun facts is the concept of people returning to LCL. So in this scene, we see people are getting visions of people when they're turning to LCL. The reason for that is the conversion. It's easier for a person to be broken down when they're willing, or essentially letting their guard down. And to do that, they usually need someone that they love. And that's why the many ethereal rays running around the world were specifically taking on forms of, like, Misato to get to... Hyuga. Hyuga, and uh, Ritsuko to get to Maya, and shit like that. Like, they were yeah. taking on the form of Yui to get to Fuyutsuki. Uh, and that's mainly for the living people. The dead people, they can just go up and burst the body. Because, uh, from what I understand from the description, it's very stressing and painful if you don't let your guard down. And then we cut to Oba. <laughs> and the, the, there's twofold to this. One, Oba apparently loves nobody. 
No one shows up to try comfort over. So he has the most horrifying situation of getting chased under his desk by a horde of rays. Yeah. And then getting popped like a water balloon. Because I think he's also the only one that makes the pop sound. Yeah. His one definitely seemed the most fucking violent. Yeah. And when I was like, oh, cool, I guess. And I was like, holy shit! Yeah. It was shit like, uh, Fuyutsuki openly embracing Yui, or Maya, like, hugging fucking, uh, Ritsuko, and just being like, oh, thank god, everything's going to be okay. And it was Oba screaming in terror as a horde of rage crashed down upon him, and then just a very violent-sounding pop that just led to him turning to LCO. Yeah, and I think... It was done on purpose to also, like, it wasn't just like, oh, well, it wouldn't make sense if we put a character on screen that Oba did like, no players, uh, the people watching didn't recognize, because it's only for uh, Oba's backstory. It, I think they purposely decided Oba would be the person, and highlighted it by that, as in the whole idea of escapism as well. Well, Oba also, in reality, lives in his own bubble outside of this, and doesn't really connect with anybody, and he ends up suffering for it. <laughs> Essentially, it seems like the moral of that scene was... If there's nobody you love in life, you're going to have a very violent and painful death. <laughs> well, that sounds more like a threat. Yeah, that does kind of sound like Otto's trying to threat the population of the world. <laughs> Y'all better find a loved one or else <laughs> I will pop you into LCL. That <laughs> will turn you into a balloon. Oh, fuck. But yeah, uh, I think with that we kind of dissected the concept of impacts, everyone's goals, the series up to now. So, with this, what do you feel? What are your thoughts? It, it's a very different ending from uh, Evangelion, the original Neon Genesis Evangelion series. Mm -hmm. uh, and I kind of see how, for some people, this could be the definitive ending that they were looking for. Like, if you were watching Evangelion for the fights against angels this could be a much more satisfying ending to you. Mm -hmm. So I can recognize the quality in it, and I do think it was a very good ending on its own. Um, I, after having gone through it and thought about it, I think I still prefer the original series ending, but this one with the added context, I do still think it's a worthwhile thing to watch, even if that's not why you're watching the series. Oh yeah, I feel definitely End of Evangelion was supposed to be a supplement to the original, and I think both together is the way you're supposed to do it. Not obviously, you know, watch partway through episode 25, pause it, watch into Evangelion until get to the specific frame, pause it, go back. It's not supposed to be that way. Yeah. It's, you go through both of them, and once you witness both, they kind of add to the story as a whole. Yeah. Uh, I've always felt that about the series. I've never had the problem with feeling like, oh, it doesn't connect properly or anything like that. Yeah. No, I, I think this is a very solid uh, episode slash movie, depending on what word you want to use. Yeah. And, uh... I think it was a very enjoyable watching experience. Yeah, and of course this was the end of Evangelion for everyone as they knew it until the next movie came out, which was the Rebuild. Uh, the Rebuild series is just known as Evangelion 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, and then 1.0 plus 3.0. Uh, those are the four. Uh, actually, here's a fun thing for you, because we haven't really discussed this. Do you know what Neon Genesis Evangelion means? A uh, new creation of angels or something like that, based on my limited understanding of uh, uh, Gospel of the New Genesis. Gospel of the New Genesis. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Which, again, all the uh, religious things, and it ends technically in like an Adam and Eve scenario. Yeah. And the creation of a new world. Well, not even the creation of a new world. 
but a new humanity existence, a new form of existence for humanity. With people slowly walking out of the sea as soon as they realize who they are as a person. Exactly. So I think overall, just to hit the, uh, the point home, episode 25-26 of the anime and End of Evangelion both are really good, but I feel like they only truly shine when they're together. Yeah. And that's what ultimately makes like the ultimate ending and like full understanding of what's kind of going on there. Yeah, no, I definitely get that. I would tend to agree. Well then. Yeah, so with that, I think it's time to wrap up this episode. So of course, uh, if you'd like to follow along, you can find this podcast on YouTube and on all podcasting platforms. It goes up every Wednesday. We also have an Instagram page where we put up the information about the series you go through it. So facts that keep uh, parallel to where we are. So no spoilers for anything that we're not past yet. And of course, we also do polls on a weekly basis. Right now, we're going through the Top Angels one. So this week's probably going to be, did you like the ending of Evangelion, just like we did for the 25-26 run? Yeah. Uh, on top of that, leave, uh, leave a like, review, rate, pass it on to a friend. All word of mouth does help. And of course, if you'd like to reach us, you can find us at whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com. You can send a message or a comment or any questions you might have. We might go over that on the podcast itself. And of course, as always, what can we expect next time on Neon Genesis Evangelion? Actually, no. You're not going to do it, Peter, because I'm going to tell you exactly what we're going to do. Okay. You're going to sit there, and I'm going to explain the lore behind Evangelion to you. So it's pretty much going to be a full episode of questions for Keith and fun facts. Uh... You're going to find out about the White Moon, the Black Moon, the Primordial Sea, the First Ancestral Race. In other news, this is the last episode of the podcast. That's not, that's just not happening. So, Peter, what can we expect next time, then? Tell me. Sadness. No. Fan service. Fan, you're right, fan service.